so excited to be back in studio today for Hope Ignited. You know, we have had some really great episodes so far, and I feel like we've done a great job at just really utilizing this table as a place for our family to come, have a seat, let the walls down. And today is sincerely no exception to what is for sure to be one of the greatest episodes we've had. Um, You know, I want to start in the way of introductions. There really is no resume long enough. We could have billboards, tinker tape parades. I mean, you guys just have so many incredible milestones and achievements and awards. But welcome to the studio, Hall of Fame coach, Dell Harris, and his lovely wife, Anne. Anne is our 2018 Women of Hope Founders Award winner. Um, Again, we could go on and on and on with introductions in the way of awards and titles and recognitions, but we're just excited to have you guys here because you're family. So welcome welcome to the table. Thank you. All right. So glad to have you. Yes. You know, we talked a lot about um, what it meant to have you guys in studio because there are just so many different ways that you've played a huge part with National Breast Cancer Foundation specifically. But let's just kind of take it back a few years. You know, Coach, it's been a very exciting year for you. I mentioned earlier, Hall of Fame coach. We've we've known a long time, right? NBA Coach of the Year. But I want I want you to take me back and talk to me about where you were sitting when you found out that Hall of Fame was happening this year. <laughs> well, <laughs> There wasn't anything exciting about it. I think I was sitting in my chair in front of the computer. And, uh, but the irony of it was that <clears throat> I'd been uh, nominated for a number of years. Ten. And uh, hadn't... Uh, Who's counting? Who's counting? Hadn't gotten in uh, to it. And about three or four years ago, I uh, decided that it's best not to uh, think about it anymore. You know, not to hope for it, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, because uh, it didn't qualify with what I thought a person, as the kind of thing that a person should hope for. Uh, it, uh, I can talk about that later, but, uh, and I've had so many other things happen that were things I would never have expected. Uh, you know, 60, 50, 40, 30, 20 years ago, I just, you know, been coaching all that time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so particularly I had figured I wouldn't get in this year because I knew that they always – make the selection at the NCAA Final Four. And it was on a Saturday and Monday, as always. And, you know, uh, the last month before when they hadn't called, I, well, you know, not going to get in this year, <laughs> probably won't ever. And then, you know, certainly a week before, I, thought, well, I wonder who is you know, actually getting in and so forth. They didn't call me until Tuesday (laughs) (laughs) to be ready to go Saturday. (laughs) And they said, It's not even enough time to find, uh, like, time to find a tie or something. (laughs) You got to clip on. Don't tell anybody, (laughs) you know, don't tell anybody. And uh, so, anyway, that uh, was the way it was. And uh, 
So, so you did, but you had to go in and tell Anne, right? Like, like, uh, did you no. have, did you have some, uh, could I, you tell I, on his face, like something had happened? No, no. No, he was stoic? No. Wow. So He's in his office. I'm in my office. And he said something like, well, they just called me about, you know, about the Hall of Fame. <laughs> I got in. And I went, and it didn't register. I'm like, really? What? Like the Hall of Fame? <laughs> yeah, you did it. You got in. All right. Can I just tell you on the contrary? I remember exactly where I was when I got the text from Anne. And she couldn't say anything, right? But she was like, hey. Don't know what you're doing this weekend. Make sure you have your TV on. This is what's going to be going on. So we're scrambling to make sure we have it set up to record, explaining to the kids what it is, just in case that's what it could be, you know. So I think the reason you have so many fans, like our family, right, and the NBCF family, is because you don't, like, it's exciting to you, but that's not what defines you. And that's just been one of my favorite things about the both of you, as many years (laughs) as I've known you. Um, I just love how nonchalant, right? Like, hey, they called me. I'm in the Hall of Fame. That's just, <laughs> but in in the way of awards, how does this one measure? I mean, not that some are more important than others, but to you, is there some finality? Like, this was the biggest or most exciting? The uh, the the main uh, difference in this one uh, was that it's uh, given to you at the place where basketball started, and it's in the name of the whole thing, in the name of the man who did start it. And uh, I've studied the game, the history of it, and so forth, and actually I've been coaching, uh, touching on eight decades, believe it or not. I started coaching in 1959. That'd get you in the 50s. And I'm still working now. Uh, I'm not a coach, but I'm with the Legends team in the 20s and uh, actually did literally coach in six different decades. So basketball started out as being important to me as a kid. I got my first ball when I was five years old and a neighborhood boy went off to war and gave me his ball Mm. in 1942. And uh, I played basketball. I was in the state of Indiana where basketball in those days was maybe too important. <laughs> you know, yeah. it was a way of life, really. So uh, can, and, can I, can I uh, ask one question on that? Uh, going back, I was a huge fan of the Hoosiers. Uh, loved Indiana University, Keith Smart, and I'm, I'm going to name drop some names here, but um, – but anyway, uh, is Indiana, uh, or rather the Hoosiers movie, did that capture how the state really felt about it? Because I always wondered that when I was a kid. Like, was it as big a deal there as we all thought it was? Yeah, absolutely, it was. Yeah. It's not now uh, like it was then because they've uh, had all these consolidations uh, in uh, schools. Yeah. And there were, back in those days, there were 700 high schools, and every little crossroads had their school, and they identified with their team. And, you know, if you've got, I mean, the first high school I was head coach of, I had uh, 19 seniors, you know. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And, uh, no, I don't mean 19 boys. Yeah. And 19 seniors. 
So whatever it was, I think eight or nine boys that were yeah. seniors and so forth. You just took so, what you got. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, and yet we had to play if we had gone on and on and on like uh, Mylan did. Hickory, <laughs> there's no Hickory. Yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway, that movie was a composite of things that happened in a lot of little mm-hmm. towns in the fifties. Uh, in Indiana and even the early 60s, uh, it was the same in the 50s, 60s. Uh, the two big events that actually happened at so-called Hickory that were accurate toward that particular team uh, was that they were a little school and they played the big schools in the end and the guy they called Jimmy yeah. in the movie is was Bobby. Yeah, <laughs> and that last play was the way that game was won. Wow! They and and the way they slowed the game down to play against in the movie South Bend Central in yeah. reality Muncie Central. Wow! And I was at the game. Wow! Uh, and I, I still have incredible. Still have the ticket. It's. Right. And what, what year was that? 1954. And the wow. movie was 1952. Uh, but it's a true story, but not specifically yeah. true of that. Yeah, based on but truth. these, it's a composite of things that happened in many small schools in that era, and all of whom entered that tournament, uh, just one one class, with the hope that they could get at least to the Sweet Sixteen, yeah. and then if you get to the Final Four, well, this team, Milan, you know it's Milan in Italy, but in Indiana yeah. it's Milan. Yeah. <laughs> Same in West Texas. Probably. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And uh, so, um, anyway, they had a great team coming back. Uh, they had gone to the Final Four the year before. So and they had all their guys coming back, but one, and uh, they were ranked in the top ten in the state all year. Uh, well, that wasn't, and the, the the coach was a young twenty five year old guy. It's not some yeah. retread that got yeah, yeah, in yeah. trouble at a second chance. university. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it worked. I mean, yeah. it's, and we put uh, the uh, the author and all that. Uh, and the filmmaker into the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's not even from Indiana or anything. But, yeah. But then neither is Bob Knight, and he's in it right. too. But uh, most of us in it are Hoosier born, you know. Wow. But, uh, I love that. Well, just, just to put things in perspective. I was two when he went to that wow. basketball game. Okay. And we All will right. never let you forget right. it, Coach. We will never let you forget it. Hey, speaking of that, you know, one of my – that's a great memory. One of my favorite memories, we were down at a, an event in Dallas. I don't even remember, but all of our families were together, and we were waiting for a valet, and somebody walked up to my husband and said, oh, you're you're Ashley's husband. And I remember him saying, yes, my, my name's Justin, but yes. And I remember, Coach, you looked at him, and he said, you know what? It's not all bad to be <laughs> yeah. called that. I've heard you say on more than one occasion, you know, when you're introduced, I'm 
I'm Ann's husband. No, I, 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 I'm Mr. Ann. Uh, Mr. Ann. I've heard that several times. So, Ann, what a year. We've talked about Hall yeah. of Fame. Naismith is just insane, right? But you, too, have had a very exciting I year. Have. Frisco Style Magazine Person of the Year. Yes. I mean, following, of course, Spirit of Frisco Award winner, Founders Award winner by NBCF. I mean, we could go on and on with the awards. But this one I know was really special for you. Let's talk about this this Person Mm. of the Year award you got. It was quite an honor. You know, I never expected it. I uh, do what I do because I'm passionate about what I do as far as the the nonprofit work and um, giving back and to be honored with that title is, is pretty special. And what, which nonprofits are you involved in? I know well, um, how long do you have? How long? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. This is amazing. I mean, I started, um, gosh, started with City House, which was um, the homeless facility for, it's a program, not a just a facility, but it's a program for kids, um, babies to 17-year-old in their licensed care facility. And then 18 to 22 in their homes for the the kids that are out of um, foster care or on the streets or whatever. And um, so the reason I got involved with them was because I heard in Frisco back in 2012 that there were about 157 kids in our school district that were homeless. And it was shocking because, you know, we were this up-and-coming city on the hill, right? And... um, how could we have homeless kids? Mm-hmm. And when I approached a city leader, well, what, what can we do about this? Well, you know, we really aren't doing anything about that. And so I went to an event um, during Homeless Awareness Week, and uh, City House was there, and that's the first I heard of them, and the director was there. And I had uh, when I went up to her afterwards, and I said, you know, we're having an issue here in Frisco. I said, is there any way you could put one of your homes here in Frisco. And uh, she said, I'll get back to you in a few weeks. And so she did. And she said, we'll do it if you can get it funded. Challenge and, accepted. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, Dell and I and a few others over the next two years were able to raise about $700,000. Oh, wow. And we oh. opened the girls' home um, was one thing. And then there was a um, uh, resource center. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was where the girls would go to check in with their counselor. You know, um, they had to go like twice a week or something. And the girls in the city house program, in the transitional program, had to either be going to school or working. So um, a week before we were opening this beautiful five-bedroom house with everything donated to us, that it was gorgeous, um, the HOA decided to send out a letter to the thousand homes and say city house is moving in juvenile delinquents into this address mm-hmm. and that this. started the uproar and um you know none of those kids were juvenile delinquents mm-hmm. uh, the one student was at the time we only had two uh, the one student was an ap student at i believe heritage high school mm-hmm. and uh, she was a senior just looking to, to graduate and through an unknown reason, she and her mother, you know, had a big fight and she kicked her out of the house. And so she had nowhere to go. The other young lady had a baby um, a couple of years before that. And um, she actually was in the um, license facility up to 17 years old. But once she turned 18, she couldn't be in there you anymore. Age out. Yeah. And so um, 
then she had to, you know, go into the transitional home. And um, the story about her was, it was horrible. I mean, she, she ended up living with her baby's father's family. So they're, they're living together. And one day he took her to work and took the baby's, um, what do you call the car seat out of the car, put it on the sidewalk and said, see ya. <laughs> and, oh. and that night she supposedly slept in an alley with the baby. And then the next day she knocked on somebody's door asking to use their computer and found city house and, so you hear a story like that, and that just really sinks into your heart and makes you an advocate for life, oh, essentially. Yeah. Oh, yeah. definitely. Do you ever call yeah. Dell and say, well, get the guest bedroom ready. We're coming <laughs> yeah. home with dogs and cats <laughs> yeah. and people yeah. and babies. Oh, trust and me. I'd have about 10 dogs if I, I was allowed big to. House, right? <laughs> yeah. I but, just love um, it. But, you know, there were speed bumps to that, but you got mm-hmm. it done. We did. Um, however, after we opened the home, um, the HOA decided to sue us at the county level, mm. and we actually won at that level. And then the next day, they sued us at the state level mm. or, or district level in Dallas. And um, I, I felt confident we would win there too, because of course Dallas is a much more liberal city, and you know I didn't see a problem there. Um, but then right before Christmas, the president of the board. Uh, came to me and said, I remember it was outside our house, and she said, oh, I, I guess you heard we settled. And I went, no, I didn't hear that. What do you mean we settled? And she said, well, we agreed to not having more than six kids, six girls in the home. We agreed to not putting the boys home in the neighborhood, and we agreed to three years. And I went, oh, well, three years? Why not one year? Why not five years? How did that? Well, that's just what you know. we decided to do. Yeah, I'm like, so okay. True. So I came in and I told Dell and he said, we've done our part. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> so I still advocate for them any way I can. Uh, I just don't put the time in that I do. Yeah, it's really hard, uh, you know, with, with missions that yeah. a lot of times nonprofits have a mission. And it just feels almost like, um, you know, you're scooping water out with a bucket and <laughs> yes. then you take it out and then That's it fills sure. right back up again. Yeah, exactly. So along those lines, let's transition over a second. I'd love to talk to you about, many people may not know this, but you were diagnosed with breast cancer. Yep. And what year was that? That was 2016. So I'm going into my sixth year. Yeah. Congratulations. In August. I remember landing in Las Vegas at the airport. We were all headed for summer league. Yep. I don't know if you remember this coach, but we all... Make the run we to the bathroom. Way. We were going this yes. way. Yes, yeah. and we were on two separate flights, I even believe, but we got out, and you stopped me in the bathroom, and you said, I need to talk to you about something. And I'm like, I'm in Las Vegas in the bathroom. <laughs> this is going to be a very profound conversation, right? Because it always is. They're always. And when you told me that, it just I remember it, it felt like I lost my legs. Like there was just mm-hmm. nothing. Because I didn't, even, in that moment, know how I can help. I knew of the Hale family. Kevin and I were great friends, by the grace of God, right? But... I just remember feeling like I needed to be strong for you in that moment, but I didn't have the right answer. And so much of what you guys have taught me over the years is that's okay. You don't have to have the right answer, but just being there sometimes is enough. But I want to, I want to talk more about, bring me back to 2016. Tell us about it. Um, You know, pretty much I, you know, went through the diagnostic part of it and didn't know the answer yet. And I, I'll, I will never forget this. And I don't know if you remember Dell, but we were pulling out of our driveway when the doctor called me you remember and uh, to tell me yes it is cancer and i said well okay like what do i do now what <laughs> like, what's the next step and then um 
and then she, um, you know, went on with that. But I just, I didn't cry or anything. I was like, I think I was in shock, actually. Mm. You know, when you hear it, you're like, what? What's going on? Like, is this true? Yeah. And, um, you know, then you just, you have hope, and you just hope that, you know, things are going to work out, and my hope comes from my faith. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, my Holy Spirit just kept me going. So. Yeah, my Esther. I know that. I know <laughs> yes. That's right. And that's because of you. I know yes. you gave her that book. I yeah. remember that yeah. story, too. But what about you, Del? Like, what was that moment like for you when you hear the word cancer with your wife? Well, just immediately you want to know what stage. and what. I mean, it's not a death sentence, obviously. Uh, and uh, there's, you know, always... No matter what, you have uh, hope that um, it'll be all right. You know, uh, people get sick all the time with one thing or another. Um, And, you know, we talk about hope a lot, but the word like hope, love, they're used in so many different ways. You know, you love ice cream, you you know, you, you love your son, daughter, uh, spouse, uh, and you hope that it doesn't rain when we're having the cookout, yeah. uh, you know. And but uh, real hope, true hope, uh, has to come um, from a base, at, at, uh, from a purpose. Uh, and if you have a, a purpose in life, and uh, and it is compatible if you filter it through biblical truth, well, then it's okay to hope for recovery, for this, for that, if you're getting this hope fulfilled, will not only help you, but will help others. And you would use it then if you, like, my father uh, was diag- diagnosed with a, a, a serious, serious heart condition when he was 55, and he hadn't uh, done much in terms of faith uh, for 30 years. He'd been all right as a youngster, but and uh, anyway, he he prayed to God that if he would be spared this. He was going to have open-heart surgery. Now, this is back in the 60s. There was only being done three different places. So he had to go to Boston, but he didn't qualify. He wasn't healthy enough to do it, and they gave him some time to because he smoked and everything even. So he quit smoking that day and never did again. And... Uh, I thought that it would last a week or two, or you know, at most, but it just kept going year after year. He got the uh, the new valve, which was just a ball bearing that would, you know, the blood would force it out and then it dropped. You could get your head on his chest and hear wow. it click. Wow! Wow! Now that. Sound like Iron Man. And, yeah. and they, they thought that he was 55. They thought that he could extend his life 10 years. But he fulfilled all that he said. He became 
step by step an elder at the church. <laughs> when the church was open, he was there. When he went to visit people, he on and on. Or just the things that he did were just amazing. And he died at age 88. Oh my goodness! With what we think was the longest uh, plastic <laughs> aortic yeah. valve. Uh, in the world, but we don't know that. But yeah. we, we, you know, it was supposed to be 10, 12 years. Yeah, but it, to your point, these moments like that really kind of redefine your purpose. It's almost yeah. like you're living Absolutely. differently and you see things through a different lens. And I think one thing, Anne, that I can say is like, I know it was such a defining moment for you, but you were already living that way before. I'm just curious to know: Did your purpose shift? Did did things? Did you did you have a bucket list? You know, did you approach every day differently? Did you try to be more present? What what was it like after diagnosis? Well, I can tell you that um, after diagnosis and during the experience, the year from then, I had nine close friends or family members mm. that came down with a diagnosis. And it's like, this is so strange. Like, is, it, is it your God wink? Like is what? That, yeah, is that, for me, is that why I went through this to help you guys through it, you know, so. Then there's um, been more and more as, oh, yeah. as, as I mean, you it's, go it's on. It's an epidemic. I mean, so before that, it, there wasn't really anyone else before you that, I mean, in, in your life? My mother had breast cancer <laughs> uh, when she was 82, um, but that was, um, I'm sorry, when she was 62, that was back in 82 or 3. Incredible. And that uh, but that was before they even knew anything about breast cancer. I mean, yeah. that, you know, she was kind of a guinea pig experiment with yeah. treatment. So, so what kind of thing would you say if one of your friends had called you, one of those nine called you, what was one of the first things you would say to them? I mean, and they did, and I called them. And, um, and actually what was funny was, you know, who, who would have thought Facebook would be the medium for, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, expressing your faith and, and helping people, but... I didn't want to keep it hidden, and um, I put it out there on Facebook. You probably remember it was this long couple paragraphs about my faith and getting through it. And, um, you know, I would just tell them, you know, that to trust God and, you know, trust you'll get through this. You know, it's it's not um, your mother's cancer, you know, that happened for me, you know, when my mother was 62, but um, now they have the treatments and they know what's going mm-hmm. on. And um, yeah, it's a bump in the road, but yeah, you're going to get through it. So yeah. when we talk a lot about community, right, we talk about what you the impact you've had on the community, what you've done in the basketball world, coach. But like, I think that this it is your God wink, but a lot of what you and I've had an opportunity and, and I know we've got to wrap here shortly, but a lot of what we've talked about is the responsibility to these women, because a lot like Janelle, they, there are so many women that are newly diagnosed in the midst of it, going through it. And what gives them hope are seeing individuals like yourself that have gotten through it. Yes. And it doesn't mean that it's easy, but you're a beacon of hope for them, just like Janelle. You don't hear stories of women that have survived it that long, yes. right? Let's right. talk about that responsibility to that community. Yeah. Well, actually, and, and I had my angels before. I did anything, and if I wouldn't have had them, I would have gone a different direction, different doctor. She's talking about us, Kevin. Probably not me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I remember um, my angel, and I still call her angel, 
Um, she said, I want you to have lunch with um, a friend of mine who's an anesthesiologist and another friend who went through breast cancer. And so I did, and we talked about the, the doctor that I was going to go to in Plano, and they looked at me and they went, like, the anesthesiologist went like that. I'm like, what? What's wrong? And um, she recommended that I went to UT Southwestern. And I went, but that's such a far drive. I don't want to have to drive all the way down there, you know, make those trips. And, and they looked at me like, what are you talking about? Yeah. When is that You're going to go to the best place yeah. to yes. go to. It's life right? and death. If you, you had know. to get on a plane to do it, you would, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, but then that, that made me realize that, yeah, they were right. And then the, the other lady that was there went through breast cancer and, um, she told me of her experience, and, and one of the things that I tell people now when I hear they have breast cancer, is, and they say, oh, well, I'm just going to do a lumpectomy, or I'm just going to, you know, do a, a one mastectomy, I don't know what that's called, but um, and I would say to them, when they, I did the double mastectomy, and when they took the tissue out in the other breast, they found breast cancer growing, and we didn't know it, mm-hmm. and same with my angel that told me that, she said it first. And so after she, it's kind of weird, but after she told me about that, she said, do you want to see my breasts? And I'm like, okay. So we went in the bathroom and she pulled up her shirt and I went, oh my gosh, I can do that. Yeah. Like that was, yeah. I mean, she had two beautiful breasts that right. there was nothing you would never even know. Yes. So that was like the, the click, you know, that, okay, this is not going to be a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. So. A question I have, uh, we're, we're need to probably wrap up, even though I could ask you guys about 50 million questions. Harris 2.0 oh, podcast coming soon. <laughs> Seriously. We're stacking up these 2.0s. Yes. We had Brandon Carr on. Yeah. Amazing. I had so many questions I didn't get to ask him. But um, you just had some more really exciting news that happened in your family. Your son, Larry, uh, who's the assistant general manager for the Golden State Warriors, just won another trophy. Um, another so, one. Another one. I can't. I, that's the four, amazing. The four, four rings. Four. So he didn't have any room to keep all his accolades. But uh, tell us about that. I know you had been cheering for him. You're pretty excited. Mm-hmm. Pretty excited for him. Well, definitely. Uh, you know, it's uh, one thing when you're a fan of you know a, a team, but it's another thing when you have blood out there. Yeah. You know and. Uh, so you know we're most thankful uh, for that, and, but uh, Larry has worked at it a long time. He's been with uh, Golden State for 14 years. Just signed up for two more, and uh, he was with the Bucks for 20 years. So uh, he's a, a veteran. He knows what he's doing, yeah. and uh, his role is uh, player personnel. So yeah. he's. Done a really good job. Yeah, I saw saw the videos of him spraying the champagne. Yeah, it's good to see the dance moves are hereditary. <laughs> like, it just see past that down. That's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. So, <laughs> that didn't come through me. <laughs> but you talk about all these amazing things that have happened to your family. So before we go, I just want to ask you, you're halfway through this year. You were six, almost seven months into this year. How are you going to top these first few months of the year? Yeah. Well... <laughs> We're just um, waiting for September 10th when he gets inducted in the Hall of Fame, and then, you know, whatever happens after that. That's you'll be you'll be just, fly, you'll be flying up there, mm-hmm. and uh, 
It'll be on ESPN, I'm pretty sure. Now, I can't remember. Do they have a jacket, (laughs) kind of like the NFL, that the same thing? Yeah. He gets a ring and a jacket. Have you started writing your speech? Yeah. Okay. Any any tidbits you want to give us for breaking (laughs) news? No, they only give you five minutes. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah. uh, as long as Ash and I get a mention, how do you get eight for, decades into five uh, minutes? You don't. That's incredible. Uh, of course, you know you can tell right now. I have a tendency to ramble anyway. But uh, so I have to, they'll, they'll have a teleprompter because they don't want yeah. you to go over, particularly me. But uh, anyway, last thing I just want to say uh, with the things that Anne's been talking about with you know the breast cancer thing and the. Thing that, that I talked about with my father and, and with some of the things that, that I've done is uh, that we mentioned purpose and if it's good to hope and, and you, your hope will be blessed if you have uh, a, a reason to mm-hmm. want to survive, that you have something that you want to give, to mm-hmm. do, it has to, your hope has to benefit others, not just you. Mm-hmm. Selfish hope is mm-hmm. not hope at all. Yeah. And the, Romans fifteen thirteen says that he is the God of hope. And so when you filter things through that, then you have, I think, the best opportunity to get through the thing we're all going to die anyway, so it's not uh, that all you have to do is pick a way that you're going to use your success for service. You're all you're going to make. You're not going to make it through this whole business alive anyway. But that's that's important, and and then you can count on hope. Thank you. Yeah, the message uh, for me and everything that you guys have said is. Stay clear-minded when you're given bad news in life. Ask questions. Um, you know, figure out what's going on. Don't panic. I mean, that's really the thing that you guys uh, mm-hmm. did in, in what I heard in all these situations is don't panic. Take stock of what's going on. Bring your family and your friends and God into the equation. You're not by yourself, an island under yourself. And then really just assess why you're doing what you're doing, what your purpose is. Mm-hmm. Be a mentor to others and you know help yes. them. So. And just reach out and take everyone along as one big tribe. Yeah. So along those lines, thank you to everyone who's uh, been watching our podcast. We're excited about We have some really great guests coming up here in the future. Anything else, Ashley? Yeah, no. I just want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We know how busy you are and what an exciting season it is. So it was so uh, just wonderful to allow you guys to have a seat at the table. And thank you for blessing us with your words. And one thing that I would just love to get on camera before you go is a commitment that when you get back in September, I want the firsthand account in the studio of what it was like. I know you've never missed a home game, right? I mean, you've never, you've never missed. And what an opportunity to see it come full circle and to get to be there for the the biggest day. So congratulations on your year so far. We're excited to be a tiny piece of it. And we look forward to our next episode. Thank you guys for tuning in to Hope United. Thank you for all you guys do as well. Thank you. Yes.